Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Gladys in particular, pull in a map location and it will drop in six different items within that shelf. You can then pull out and use wherever you want it. Today in the podcast is Andy Nicolaides. We cover a wide range of topics, including going paperless, photo management, task management, and much more. But first, I have an exciting announcement to make. For those that want to support the podcast, you can now do this at patreon.com slash iPadPros. The different price tiers all commemorate a special date in iPad history, including the launch of the original iPad and the launch of the original iPad Pro. Here's what to expect if you support me over at patreon.com slash iPadPros. First off, I'm releasing a director's commentary version of my original iPad podcast, the iPad Possibilities Podcast. This is the podcast I ran from January 2010 to November of 2011 and released 224 episodes of it. It was a podcast all about the potential of the iPad platform. This will be released bi-weekly opposite from iPad Pros, so supporters will get a new iPad podcast from me every week. The first release is now available and includes the first two episodes. You'll hear on episode two a fairly in-depth discussion I had just a few days after the original iPad's announcement with a music professor who ran the Macintosh lab at Butler University. I found it fascinating to listen to this again after all these years and hearing what did and didn't come to pass. This special edition of the podcast that has not been available for many years now includes new introductions recorded for each episode. These introductions will provide some new thoughts for that episode and highlight some of my favorite moments of that episode. The podcast did have some guests, including Ken Case of the Omni Group. You'll be able to hear from him in the early days of the iPad. Just like iPad Pros, these episodes will have chapter markers, making it easy to jump around. The other bonus for Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash iPadPros is a brand new podcast entitled iPad Historia. This monthly podcast is a historical look at the iPad. I still own an original iPad and an iPad 2 running very old versions of the OS. I believe I was 3 and 4. I'm excited to talk about the iPad and its early days in iPad Historia. The podcast will also serve as a place for newer moments like the release of the original iPad Pro and place it in context of the iPad's evolution over the years. The Patreon is most of all for those that feel like they do get value out of the work I do to produce iPad Pros and want to give back. No matter the tier you support there, it's incredibly meaningful to me. It would mean the world to me if you could just take a minute to visit patreon.com slash iPadPros to check it out and hopefully support me there. If you do have suggestions for other perks, I'd love to hear your thoughts at iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. Without further ado, here's my interview with Andy. Enjoy. We're joined today by Andy Nicolaides. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. Thanks for spending some time with me tonight. And the first thing I want to just ask you is if you could just introduce yourself and kind of what role the iPad plays in your life. So my name's Andy Nicolaides. The iPad for me is essentially my second child. Um, maybe taking it a little <laughs> bit too far, but it essentially is though. It comes everywhere with me. I have a day job that doesn't involve the iPad to its full extent. It involves Windows as we'll get into in a little bit. It does, unfortunately. Yeah. There's still time even within that to get the iPad in there. So I use it quite frequently at work still. And 
for home it covers everything else so from media consumption you know just films reading whatever to managing my finances uh, tracking all my documents i save pretty much everything i don't have any paper documents if i can avoid it you know everything scanned saved to icloud drive do you find yourself less reliant on your iphone because the ipad plays such a big role in your life I do, yeah. Especially when I'm at home, I usually get home, put the iPhone down on the charger. It sits on there for the rest of the day. Once I'm home, usually the watch sits next to it getting charged. And then for the rest of the time, it's my iPad. You see yourself becoming a two iPad person when the fall iPads are announced? I think I will, yeah. I have some more desk space now. I I sort of went to the iPad originally because initially really just because of lack of space in my house. The 12.9 inch I'm hoping will, be, will pretty much be a desktop. You know, it will be in a little dock in my desk. will generally sit there, I think, is the plan. Now, you jumped into iPads in 2014 as your primary computer. Is that right? That is. Yeah, that, that's right. And you mentioned space being a big thing. Were there other reasons jumping to iOS? Was it just like I'm in a tiny apartment and this Mac is just too cumbersome to find a place for that's kind of where it started yes we had a house with a bare room but my daughter was born in 2014 that space was obviously then taken up we had a 27 inch iMac just sitting in the living room gathering dust essentially having a child you know a new child didn't have much time to to do much with it anyway 2014 was the year of the mini 3 and the air 2 did you buy the current year at that point yeah i've usually been pretty much on top of them and the Air 2 was the, a substantial upgrade over the Air. That was probably like the first, I'd say, that was capable of being, for most people, or more people, a primary computer. It was the first one that did the uh, multitasking uh, split-screen stuff, at, at least. I've still got that Air. I, I use it for putting films on for my daughter and stuff in the car, but it's still, you know, really capable for a lot of people. My mother-in-law's got one as well, and, you know, that's her main thing she uses for home. Now, you mentioned going like paperless in you know our conversations before this what's your workflow for being paperless on ios for document scanning stuff i i just use the readle i think it's just called scanner pro maybe mm-hmm. yep that pretty much covers majority of stuff i need it for from just documents that i get in the post you know i don't know insurance documents or anything else really to receipt tracking for expenses from work and everything like that and it stores itself in its own you know little area on icloud drive so within scanner pro you're storing everything or you're sending it out of scanner pro into some sort of folders uh, hierarchy scan it into there and it sits in there but i also then move a copy out into just into an icloud drive file structure yeah have you experimented with some of the apps that would ocr those scans so they're more searchable? I haven't really. I just rely on a combination of tags and kind of mm-hmm. naming convention, uh, conventions. So I don't really worry about too much about the content inside the document. Okay. Another thing I believe you're kind of big into is photos. I mean, having a daughter would, would make you uh, be into that as well, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. What's that like uh, entirely on iOS? I've got about 26,000 photos in my iCloud photo library at the moment. And the vast majority of them have probably really been taken as you say, since my daughter came around. And a lot of that is through just the iPhone. You can now move to get the kind of the keyframe within the live photos. You can get really perfect shot and the sound adds a lot of context to it, which is really good. And it's just so seamless of just pulling your phone out, taking a picture. It's all backed up. You don't have to worry about any of it with things like Google Photos. I have that as just kind of a backup to my backups. 
because everything I do is pretty much cloud-based. I don't have NAS backups. I'll keep it simple. And if something goes wrong with iCloud, there's Google Photos that you lose a bit of the quality, but they're still there just in case. Yeah. For photo editing, you have a couple apps you mentioned in our you know, previous conversations, Darkroom, Pixelmator, and yeah. Infinity. How do you choose what uh, tool to use for the job? Just depends, I guess, on the situation and what I'm trying to do. So Pixelmator, the, the main thing I have Pixelmator 4 is the removal tool is very powerful in that. So if you've got like a picture of a field and there's a little cow in the middle of it or something, you can just rub over it and it's gone. You know, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, the magic, I forgot what it's called, the magic eraser, I think. It's great. It really is, you know, that good of just hacking out. It's not even like tiny little things. It can, it can clear out quite large chunks of a photo and, and clean stuff up. So I use it a fair bit for that. Darkroom is pretty much the go-to app for 90% of what I do, though. It's a really good raw editor. So I use an app called Halid. I don't know if I'm, or Halide. I'm not mm-hmm. sure of how to pronounce it, to be honest. But I use that as my main raw photo shooting app. I'm not sure why, but they've got kind of some sort of friendship between the two developers, I, I think. And within Halid or Halide, you can tap a button that jumps you straight into darkroom so they're kind of tied together like that so it it just works well kind of jumping between the two do you see a big benefit in capturing in raw an iphone versus the built-in camera app for 90 percent of the time i don't bother when it's just sort of pictures of family and things like that and you'd lose the live photo that way as well right yeah exactly that's a big thing it's really just you know if i get a rare quiet moment to i don't know see a sunset or something then it's worth doing it yeah then because it it does capture a lot more the processing the iphone camera does is good for a lot of the time but it, it can be quite kind of overzealous you know it, it goes a bit over the top sometimes and you do lose quite a lot but the iphone software does the job perfectly most of the time to be honest so at work you mentioned You use your iPad for other things. What kind of things do you use it for? I have the calendar synced into it so I can obviously get my reminders to various meetings and different things and reminders as well. I jump around quite a lot. I think when we've discussed things before, I am and or slash was using things quite heavily for various reasons. This is things the Mm to-do app, not just generally things. (laughs) (laughs) I use that a lot. I have my laptop. So again, a Windows laptop at work that I do my day-to-day stuff on, but the iPad's always sitting next to me usually just on you know plugged in and on with a split screen of notes on one side and things on the other or a to-do app like i said i've been jumping around a little bit i've recently started using an app called good task okay good task yep. three i think it's called it basically sits on top of the reminders framework it's good things is a weird app because it's advanced in a way but very basic in others and they recently had a big keyboard you know, update right have you played much with that so that's what keeps me on it a lot. So as I mentioned, you know, I've got the phone, I've got the iPad and on the phone, Good Task is better because it hooks into the, like I said, the reminders system. When I'm on a PC at work, I can go to the iCloud.com website, you know, and, and enter things there and it all ties up. But the iPad with things and the keyboard is just so powerful. It's it, They've really gone kind of all out of, of getting a really good system in place. You know, you, you can essentially do everything you want to do in the app bar, possibly one or two things without touching the screen at all. And the controls are simple to understand, so it wasn't a huge learning curve to be able to do that? There's still times when, you know, when you hold the command button, it'll display all the shortcuts. There's so many, it fills, I think, two pages, and then you can click another shortcut that then loads up a a website that 
has all of you know even more shortcuts displayed so there is a lot but as you start using it they do become muscle memory pretty much and there isn't you know a million and one things you can do in it you know you're going to want to create a new task mark one completed change the time you know jump between things so you you don't have to do or the the keyboard shortcuts shortcuts don't have to do you know a million things but they do everything you would Mm -hmm. want to do it just makes it really compelling thing to use to do apps and note-taking apps are my two app vices (laughs) i suppose that i keep i have so many notes scattered all over the place Something I'm curious about is Agenda. This is an app that got a lot of praise. I've not dug too far into it. Can you describe what you're using Agenda for? In essence, it's a note-taking app like a million other things, but it's kind of USP is that it hooks into your calendar. So you can do kind of calendar-based notes. I mainly use the Agenda for work. It hooks into my calendar. So if I have a meeting at, I don't know, one one o'clock that day, it will list it you know, in your calendar view, you can tap on the event, create a note kind of linked to that event. You can just enter notes like you would anything else and you just have them all in there. But the notes that are tied to a calendar events, you know, you can just look back through, you had a meeting a week ago or something, you can go to that calendar date, click on it and then or tap on it and get all your notes for that. And the notes themselves are stored within the agenda app or is it a part of that calendar event now that's on your other calendar app no it's not related to your calendar beyond just pulling in the information so it's all within gender and then it's it's um synced via icloud and is there a calendar view could you use that as your main calendar if you wanted to you can do there's no um unless i'm just missing it which is quite possible there isn't like a to see like a week or month view okay you kind of swipe in from the side it shows you your current day and you can kind of go left and right you know jump in between the two or click the drop down and then just skip through a couple of weeks and jump into the day but it's not really a calendar replacement it would be good to kind of merge the two it's it's got the connection Mm -hmm. to your calendars anyway so it would make a lot of sense do you use it for other purposes outside of meeting notes? Not really. I say it's focused on that. It is its kind of key thing. You know, when you first open it, it has a whole montage video at the beginning kind of explaining. It's all, all kind of focused on a calendar idea. Like I said, you can just throw any notes in you want and they just sit there like any other note. It just doesn't have a link to a, a calendar event. Okay, so you'll use that for meeting notes and then Apple Notes, is that everything else pretty much? It is, yeah. Again, I've, I've jumped around quite a lot in the past for note taking from kind of OneNote to Evernote, Notes, Bear, hundreds of other things. I'm trying to stop that because <laughs> I do kind of contracting and stuff. I create notes on kind of things I've learned somewhere or something. And then when I move on, I forget where I've left that note across various different things. So I'm trying to stop leaving this little breadcrumb all around the, the internet of all my notes and things that i've learned over the years and trying to keep everything centralized what do you like about apple notes the main thing is the reason why i keep kind of falling back to all the default apps like the calendar and you know reminders or something at least that sits on that back end it's all within that same ecosystem again when i've used evernote or whatever else when i jump around i lose track of where things are with notes i can't see unless something changes quite drastic in the next few years me moving away from apple stuff so notes as a system is pretty much always going to be around for me to find stuff in. The app itself, I kind of fell kind of using it a lot more when the refresh happened. So they added the ability to use the pencil. So it because it was essentially the first app that really took advantage of all the new features like drag and drop and pencil support and everything else. Yeah, the pencil support's kind of baffling to me because 
I must just have huge handwriting, but unless the app supports me zooming in, it's just kind of useless for me. That's why I tend to gravitate towards good notes, which I'm able to zoom in and write nice and big. And then when I zoom out, it's small again. Yeah. Are you better with that? Not needing that kind of crutch that I do? Yeah. I, I guess it depends on, you know, your use cases for the drawings. Like usually when I've had to do that, it's it's been to just kind of sketch out a, a, a thought about how i'm going to build kind of a a solution for a client or something like that you know it's always just been kind of a rough little sketch Mm -hmm. and the client work you're dealing with you're in marketing are you like sketching out kind of a campaign and what the steps are in that or what kind of is there an example you can provide it it is marketing and it is kind of campaign focused but it's kind of the the back end of things so that the tool i use select is used to like get selections of customers and things that are going to be targeted for an email or some sort of communication they have things called welcome journeys so various people you know when you sign up to a, a service or something three days after signing up you'll receive an introduction email to tell you about the product or something like that and then if you don't open it within three days you get email x if you do open it but you don't click on a link in it you get y it kind of spiders out you know kind of a, a web from there or a flow it's really just kind of rough sketches for me it's not something i i generally need to share with anyone else so it's just kind of thoughts and things as i as i'm going along in my day-to-day personal life i I don't really have any use cases for drawing in notes or anything so again notes kind of fits that quite well now even the integration in control center you can jump straight into a note the integration with the system that that keeps me coming back to it and do you find yourself organizing those notes in different folders or how do you handle that i do yeah similar to to how I do kind of my reminders and stuff, I guess it's, you know, there's work, home, personal, family. So there's like a shared, got shared notes or shared reminders. It works with both and shared calendars actually for, for kind of family things. Started putting emojis in, with it, in the names. It seems, stu- it sounds stupid, but it, it gives it a lot of color and a lot of life. Yeah. So I do the same with, again, my reminders groups and note groups. It adds a nice little touch to it that helps kind of organize things you know you don't have to worry about to read all the names of all the categories and folders you've got you can just see you know picture of a house that must be house related you know home or whatever it does make things a lot easier and and just nicer to look at something i was just thinking about i would love if as you're working in notes if you're looking at a note you could ask siri move this note to the home folder that would be just so nice to just remove yeah to drag stuff around that would be good. Even the things that are already there with do this don't work so well. You know, if if you're in an email and you say, remind me of this yeah, it works sometimes. tomorrow or something. Yeah, I, I don't know how it can randomly work, but more frequently doesn't work. So I've just given up even trying with that, unfortunately. It's a shame because you know, the idea was you could archive an email and you could still have that email get reminded of. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's not having any of it most yeah. of the time. Let's move ahead to drag and drop. How has that changed how you work on iPad? Been, I guess, night and day, to be honest. Like, that's when things really started kicking off for me and making it, you know, a, a quicker thing to use. A lot of the time you can use an iPad. You could do what you wanted to do on it. You know, you could get things done. But it's just moved from being something you can you can do on the iPad, but you're probably better off doing it somewhere else because you could just do it quicker to just saying, I'll just do it on the iPad because that's the best way of doing it. You know, just you can chuck emails here there and everywhere save stuff it's changed things a lot it's sped me up a lot i always hear a lot of people that kind of use ipads a bit but not really all that much say that it's bad implementation or it, it's 
not as easy as it is on the Mac or something like that. There was a, some conversations going on earlier on Twitter today when I stupidly got <laughs> involved in a conversation. A kind of thread came about with someone saying about there's no low-end Macs. And I just said maybe what they're going for at Apple is you know, that's what the iPad is filling. And I think it does for a lot of people. It is right now, but I, I do think they should have a low-end uh, MacBook Air with Retina that would be everyone would be happy with. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a, a good gap. But to your point, I think it's better than Mac because I've got 10 fingers. I can drag with one of them and then be navigating the system yeah. with another. If you're dragging a file on Mac, you got to be using that same pointer to navigate the UI, and that can get rough at times. Yeah. Especially on those uh, trackpads on the Mac, which I have problems with the 3D touch trackpads and trying to... <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's literally what I was about to say, <laughs> that the, trying to do that with the trackpad is, is painful. You drop it halfway <laughs> to where you're trying to go, and I guess it's just what you're used to. And people that like their Macs like their Macs, and I don't think there's any convincing them otherwise, similar to we're saying you know, it's easier on an iPad because it is for us. Oh yeah. And the whole idea of you are able to add things to a stack, that concept just does not yeah. exist with drag and drop on Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. It's yeah. You pick it up and you, you better make sure you find where you're going, you know, quickly before you run out of space on your trackpad to and drop it in the middle of somewhere you don't want it to go. Yeah, it's like, oh, I ran out of space in my quarter. I'm stuck, <laughs> which happens yeah, exactly. quite a bit. Yeah. Your finger just drops <laughs> off the edge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the thing that was really amazing to me was I do a lot with WordPress and just uploading images there. You're able to, yeah. without saving it to local storage, go to Google Image Search, drag an image from one browser tab, and directly upload it without saving it locally first, which is just fantastic. Yeah, that's the thing. It just changes the way, you know, you go about doing stuff. It was all, that's exactly the sort of thing that was really painful on iOS before they, they added that. And now it's, you know, it's just so simple and things like that. Some people wouldn't even think to try because you just assume it wouldn't work. Yeah. It's surprising how many things do work. And, you know, things like even maps, you know, if you drag maps information out, it's not necessarily just what you're dragging. It You know, it pulls information along mm-hmm. with it. It could be an image of, of that location or... It makes like a, you know, V card, I think they called, you know, of that address and, and all sorts of things. And things like the sort of apps like Gladys and there's one called mm-hmm. Yoink, the, the like shelf sure. apps. Gladys in particular, you pull similar to that, like a, I just said, you pull in a map location and it will drop in six different items within that shelf. You can then pull out and use wherever you want. It. Oh, I have got to try Gladys. I did not know about how it handled map data like that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's smart. Like I said, it, it creates like the V card, uh, a map location and, and various other things you can within the options you can pick if you want it to like stack them all together. So it just creates one item and then you can go into it and get what you want or it will create an item. Yeah, that seems especially handy if you're creating some kind of event invite and then you'll have all that data that you can just drag all six points into the different part of the invite exactly and it, it does that with anything i think you know well within reason but like if you drag out a link i think it will save the link as one thing and the text you know or, or if it's connected to some text or if you group you pull out a group of text and drag that in it'll keep the url as a separate thing to the text okay yeah i gotta give glass another shot because i tried it initially and it didn't blow me away at first so uh maybe they've had some updates right. there yeah possibly i downloaded it at the time and have just sort of started getting into it a little bit now if you could commission Apple to make a new iOS form factor, what would you have them make? Just a, a laptop form factor. Would you want the screen to be removable still, or is part of it the improved balance of having the lightweight screen up top and the battery below? No, I definitely still want it to 
come apart. So essentially what we can do now with an iPad, but just, I guess, a better, mm-hmm. when it's kind of docked into its yeah. keyboard, it, you know, maybe more flexible in the, what you can do with it or something. I'm not sure. I think that's why Johnny Ive gets the, the millions and I'm stuck not getting millions. That I'm, I'm not much of a designer. As you can tell from that wish. If they could design something where you got a, ba- a huge battery on the keyboard end of things as well as the iPad itself, mm. uh, you could have like a 20-hour battery life if they do it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, That'd be a really heavy iPad at the same time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, and then you're back to it's not as useful as right. you know, yeah. just having a, a screen. It kind of loses its But then its it, it could be your suppose. weekend device where you don't even need to bring a charger, which you I mean there's there's potential. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, anything that adds more flexibility the way people use it or more options is, you know, all, all the better for me. Every argument about why iPads can never replace Macs always comes down to you can't use Xcode on yeah. it, which I think for, what, 90% of people? If you had Apple or some developer make an app for iPad, what would you have them make that doesn't exist today? Would it be Xcode or something more relevant to your own life? I think I'll go with Xcode just so people can move on to another reason <laughs> why iPads can't replace yep. desktops. That's about what 1% of iPad users would want. There can't be that many iOS developers in the world. But if that keeps people happy, I will go with that. The state of the the app store and the apps that are created for iPads is another reason why I like it so much. You know, there's always, even now, there's some really interesting, well-designed, good-looking apps that are coming out pretty much daily for iPads and they're getting better and better. You know, you're getting things like Photoshop coming out and, you know, that, that that's being developed at the moment and things like Affinity Designer that came out a couple of weeks ago that are like desktop quality, you know, professional almost applications on this device. I don't really know why people have this this problem with just admitting, you know, that similar to like a, I don't know, an iPhone isn't for everyone. There seems to be this thing, like again, that I saw on Twitter with these conversations going back and forth that because it's not for you, as in whoever's talking about it, it means it's not a replacement at all. It seems a bit strange. Yeah. You know, like I said, 90% of people don't use Hi-Code, uh, Xcode. And you have to use different tools and applications to get the same job done and some people aren't interested in learning a new way to do things if the current way works fine for them right now well yeah exactly something i've witnessed over the past couple weeks is uh, more and more windows laptops with touch screens and me seeing those users be incredibly proficient at utilizing both aspects of that device where they're presenting something right. to me and they're using that touch screen in a really cool way then they got the mouse and keyboard yeah. they should probably add touch to the mac at some point <laughs> they, they are hanging on a long time with that they're they're kind of creeping there with the touch bar you know it's it's creeping towards the yeah. screen but they're sticking to that one pretty i i don't know you know i don't know why they come they're happy with people using ipads in essentially as a laptop you know they, their keyboard case makes it essentially a laptop idea and you're you're obviously mm-hmm. touching that majority yeah. of the time and that seems fine for a lot of people. You know, like we said, sales are going up, so people are enjoying using that. So I don't know why it wouldn't work the other way around. Exactly. Something that uh, crossed my mind as we're talking about Xcode is uh, if Apple did this, I think they'd probably release a lightning to lightning cable. So as you're executing code, you could use a second iPad hooked up to the other iPad to, you know, run that code. I could see that being a thing, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't don't see why not. They can sell you two iPads then, even better. Yeah, and if that's a thing, I would love the inevitable future of hooking an iPad up to another iPad and having multi-display support in some crazy way. 
you can drag an app to the side and it like has some indicator that I'm moving this to the other iPad as I don't know there's potential for some crazy setups yeah absolutely they could probably do that with wirelessly you would hope you'd hope yeah just fling it to the other one little lightning to lightning dongle thing would be would be fun <laughs> Closing out the show, I just want to just ask about the, your new podcast. What, what is your new podcast and what's your workflow for making that on iOS? It's really new. It's a whole two episodes in so far. Got to start somewhere. Well, yeah, exactly. I signed up to something called micro.blog, basically like hipster Twitter. It's basically just paid for Twitter. So people don't just post the sort of things you would put on Twitter. You know, you it, it's a free thing. You just throw whatever on there. They're, it's a little bit more thought out. And the way it works, it, it kind of creates everything you post in like your timeline creates a post on a on a blog page as well. If you write over 280 characters, it turns it into a an actual blog post, you know, with a title and a view more thing. So you can kind of essentially use it to create a blog as well, which is quite handy. But that service also for a couple of dollars extra a month gives you access to uploading short form podcasts or microcasts, I think they call it. Which, because I've been looking to do a podcast for a while, but I don't really have anyone that would want to do it with me. <laughs> it's my little sad, sad uh, violin in the background. iPad Pros, same way. It's like, okay, let me start this. And it yeah. uh, turned out to be an interview well, yeah. show, mostly, which is, I'm loving uh, how that's turned out, which is great. It's been great. I've, I found the show not that long ago, really, and have uh, been, been loving it. Similar to that idea, you know, you, you find solutions, I guess, to the quote unquote problem of having no one to do it with you know i didn't want to just sit and talk to myself for for an hour blog is set up to allow sort of you know maximum i think of like 20 30 minutes for an episode the idea was just they're going to be short form anyway it's a lot more manageable i guess to just find 10 minutes in a day you know they're very basic i, I don't do anything snazzy with theme tunes or anything like that i literally i use a, an app called ferrite on the iPad, I hook up a Blue Yeti microphone mm-hmm. um, to the iPad. You put lightning in to, to power the microphone and charges the iPad at the same time. And then the USB to the microphone to give you that. Yeah. So I just record that in Ferrite. I maybe put like one little sound thing in just to, I usually have like a, a chunk, like a 10 second little introduction, little noise, little sound of some kind. And then the, the rest of the podcast save it and just upload it straight you can do it on the web through the again through mm-hmm. the ipad or there's a an app from micro.blog called wavelength so you just pick your audio load it up part of the micro.blog has a rss feed so you can supply that to itunes and wherever else to get it online so it, it literally takes 10 seconds to to output the audio and have it online all through the ipad in terms of kind of content for it I'm kind of loose on it at the moment, you know, like I said, I'm only two in and it's just when I think of something I want to either get off my chest or talk about, or it, it's kind of free. It's, it's going to be tech based pretty much because that's kind of where my interests are and, and Apple based. What's it called and where can people, I guess you search iTunes for it, but what's it called? It's called Upload. There's about 20 different, as you'd <laughs> expect, 20 different podcasts with that quite generic name. The blog and, and everything else can be found on, it's just andynicolides.com. Okay. And this will be in the show notes for those interested. <laughs> for those that can't spell my mouthful of a name. Um, but yeah, if you go there, there's a link at the top. Any other topics we didn't cover that you want to chat about before we wrap it up? No, I think that's good. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being on. And uh, once again, that URL for people to find you online. Uh, it's Andy. It's just andynicolides.com. And it's the same on Twitter. It's just at Andy Nicolides. 
like I said, check the show notes for the spelling. I won't uh, spew it all out now. <laughs> yeah, in the episode name, you will have your last name in the, the title of this episode as well. So thank you so much, Andy. Great. Thank you. And you. Thanks for listening to this episode of iPad Pros. You can find the show notes over at iPadPros.net. You can send your feedback to me at iPadProsPodcast.gmail.com. If you email a voice memo, I'd be happy to include your audio in a future episode. I'm on Twitter at iPadProsPodcast. And as mentioned at the top of the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could support me over at Patreon.com slash iPadPros. Thank you for your time and attention today. Talk to everyone again real soon.